0: We do see so much evidence in our lives of your faithfulness and your goodness. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you will help us to be a church that just gives that back to you in praise and worship because you are worthy of it all. Father, I pray that you will create in us a a heart of gratitude because you say in your word that as we come to you in gratitude, you help to make us whole. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you will just help us to see so much of the evidence of your goodness. And, Father, I pray for these kids today. I pray that you will just teach them and guide them. God, I pray that you will create a movement in our church through these kids. Father, I pray for wisdom for the teachers. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will saturate that environment and help them to know you deeper and have a confidence in you. Father, I pray for this room today. I pray that you will just, uh, just teach us. Teach us about your love and your affections for us. Give us a boldness where we need it. Encourage our hearts where we need it. And, Father, I pray that you will create a movement in this church here in this room as well. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you all are dismissed. to Kids, barn, have a good time. Don't break anything and learn a lot. And while they are making their way down, it is my true privilege and honor to introduce our speaker here today. This is very much a full circle day for me today. Um, I was scheduled to speak here for the first time on April 10th of this year. I had contacted Travis Gouge, he's one of the elders, on April 9th. And I said, look, I'm so sorry. I know this puts you guys in such a difficult position. I can't make it tomorrow. My dad just had a bypass surgery and it was anything but routine. In fact, they're taking him back into surgery now, which if you know the extent of a bypass surgery, to go back into surgery is not a good deal, right? So I just said, Travis, I'm so sorry, I can't make it, and then the days to come, so many of you just went to work, you rolled up your sleeves and you went to work, and what I mean by that is you were with us in it, and you prayed so hard for our family, And for the weeks to come, I came two weeks later, and before I could even speak, I had to just say, look out here and say, thank you. I knew from the start that there was something special about the people here, that you all are a praying church, and you were with us in the midst. And so I say again, thank you. Uh, My dad is here today, and he's going to share with us. Please welcome Walter Crouch to the stage.
1: Well good morning. It's good to see you this morning and uh, I've known a lot of you for a number of years and I also want to thank you for your prayers. That was a uh, kind of a scary time. You know when you're going through you don't realize how scary it is. The only thing I know is when they said to me, hey we got to take you back down and open you back up again. I knew things weren't good and uh, only by God's grace and mercy. Uh, do I stand before you today and I, it's your prayers and the prayers of God's people that made all the difference in the world so I'm here and I'm just glad to be here now I understand you're doing something really crazy in this church you're calling my son to be your, your <laughs> pastor I mean he's a great young man there's no doubt about it he's a great young man but I mean there, there are some things you need to know about him all right <laughs> <laughs> i think the number one thing is down when i was pastor of first baptist church Co. down in the lower rio grande valley and some of you stayed at that church we did a you know one of the mission trips down to the valley and stayed there and uh, it was a sunday that i baptized dallas he was either eight or nine years old i forget but a, a water main broke in the city and we had no water it was just trickling out and of course you know we baptists we need a lot of water to baptize and so I did, we didn't know what to do. We actually ran hoses from faucets and turned it on, and it was trickling all service long. We moved baptism to the end of the service. It trickled all service, and when we got there to baptize, there was about this much water in the bottom of the, the baptistry. Dallas looked at me and he said, "Dad, there's no water in there." I said, "Just do what I tell you to do." <laughs> so we went to the baptistry. And, you know, I went through the formula and asked him about his salvation. And then I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I laid him flat. <laughs> and it still didn't cover him. So I splashed water all over him. <laughs> and to this day, Dallas doesn't know whether he's a Baptist or a Methodist. <laughs> he just wants you to know. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, today I want to talk to you a little bit about... Uh, what I call seeing the best I think we live in such a negative world that it's time for Christians to step up and show that they are the most positive people and can make a difference in our world just simply by doing something as simple as seeing the best if you have a bible if you have a bible with you or follow on the screen I'd like you to turn to John chapter one John chapter one and we'll read from verse 45 to 51. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray together for a moment. Lord God, I thank you so much for the great love that you have given us in your Son, Christ Jesus. And I thank you that it is that love that brings us all together here to this place this day. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint ears to hear and hearts to listen and lord that it would anoint my mind in tongue to speak truth lord if there's someone here today that feels like life has no meaning if there's someone here today that needs to know the power of the gospel in their lives it is my prayer that your holy spirit would open their hearts Now, Lord, this is your time. Take it and use it to your glory. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Marjorie had wanted to end her life. Suicide seemed like the only answer to 43 years of miserable existence. She'd had two failed marriages Marriages and many failed relationships that lasted from a few minutes to a few days. She had no job, she had no career, and was physically unhealthy. She just wanted to die, and her failed suicide only made things worse. Now Marjorie was fortunate, and she had a neighbor of hers that was a Christian who suggested that she go see a Christian counselor. Marjorie didn't think it would do any good, but she was at the end of her rope and went to see this man who seemed to be very kind and relaxed. And He told Marjorie to just sit there and to close her eyes and to remember the last time she was happy. Soon she was thinking back to when she was 10 years old in fourth grade. When Marjorie was 10 years old, she was an energetic and fun-loving young girl who loved life and was uninhibited by the rules. She enjoyed school and just, it was just fun for her, but she was always disruptive and one day her teacher had had enough. She told Marjorie to stand up in front of the classroom and then she asked the class to come one by one up to the chalkboard And write down exactly what they thought of Marjorie now you know children at this age can be brutally honest and very mean first little boy came up and wrote on the board Marjorie is stupid another one wrote I don't like Marjorie another one wrote marjorie doesn't belong here and one by one those children and an unthinking and cruel teacher ruined the life of a 10 year old girl and eventually the life of a 43 year old woman one terrible moment led to a lifetime of pain and suffering Now Marjorie's story is one of extreme cruelty, and if something similar has happened to you, my heart goes out to you. But if it is not, I want you to know that it has, just in less direct and more insidious ways. You see, the enemy of our souls wants us all to suffer from poor self-esteem instead of claiming the biblical truth, that we are valuable and created in the image of God. Now, here are some ways that you may not notice that the enemy attacks us, though, and destroys our images. One, and number one, I believe, is what I call the neglect of parents. I mean, we don't live on the farm anymore, right? And in pursuit of the American dream, many families, parents are just absent. And today, often, we think we spell love m-o-n-e-y by giving our children things when all our children really want is us and love is spent t-i-m-e there's a story of a little girl that had you know just a, a little rag muffin doll that she called muffy and she just loved muffy carried muffy everywhere i don't know if You know, your daughter or your granddaughter has one of those. But everywhere she went, Muffy was there. I mean, she went to bed. She went to bed with her. She went and took a shower. Muffy sat on the edge of the tub. Muffy was with her everywhere. But her mother noticed something peculiar, that every time she walked in the room, her daughter would put Muffy down and come want to give her mom a hug. And so her mom asked her, said, honey, I know you love Muffy more than anything. But why is it that when I come in the room, you put Muffy down and you just come and crawl into my lap? And her daughter looked at her and said, Why, Mom, that's easy. Muffy can't love me back. You see, we can give our kids all the things in the world, but those things will never love them back. You see, the neglect of parents... It's destroyed the self-image of more children in this world than probably anything else. Our children need our attention now more than ever in this crazy upside-down society in which we live. Secondly, the intimidation of the media. Have you watched the ads on television? Every person that is in an ad on TV is beautiful and successful. Do any of you watch soap operas? I'm not... Do they still watch soap operas nowadays? They're still on, right? I see some of you nodding. You're willing to admit it. But all the people on those shows are successful and rich and beautiful. I mean, these things scream out to us all the time that we're not beautiful enough. We're not successful enough. And it's all an image meant to intimidate us and make us feel less secure about who we are. So that way we'll go out and buy that shampoo or that beauty cream. Or go on the vacation to that place because somehow that's going to make us more beautiful or more successful. Years ago, there's a supermodel, and you may not know her anymore, by the name of Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe you understand or remember who Michelle Pfeiffer was, but she was on the cover of Esquire magazine. Her picture was there, now this was like 30 years ago, her picture was there, and and on the front of the magazine it said, what does Michelle Pfeiffer need to make her look beautiful? And then under it it said, absolutely nothing. Well, that's not quite the truth. You see, that picture they took of her that they put on the cover, they took to a photo retouching shop and spent thousands of dollars, and this is what they did to her photo. They softened her chin line. They added color to her lips. They doctored any skin blemishes. They removed excess skin under the chin. They deleted any stray hairs. They defined the lines of the eyes. They filled and added hair where needed. They removed facial lines. They added color to the cheeks and to the eyes. They lengthened her eyelashes. My goodness, Dallas, if they took a picture of you and did all that to it, you would look like Chris Pratt. I told you I'd get even. (laughs) It's all fake. It's not real. It's just an image, and today, image is everything. It's all designed to make you feel inferior. Just once, I'd like to see an ad with a pleasantly plump, balding, middle-aged man in bib overhauls looking into the camera and saying, Hi, I'm Bubba, fly me. 1 samuel it says that man looks on the outward man but god looks at the heart and the third thing i think we run into that we don't realize is what i call the worship of the sensual today feeling good or what makes you feel good is the highest virtue And so what do we do? We do things that titillate our senses and our nerve endings in our bodies. We jump out of airplanes. We drive fast cars. We take drugs. We drink alcohol. We engage in illicit sex. Why? To get a high, to engorge ourselves in feelings of pleasure. And you know what that does? That reduces us to being animals because that's what animals do. They do what makes them feel good in any moment. No mind, no soul, no morals, just a body of sensations. Now, I used to think that I was not that way until I found myself at Disney World standing in a two-hour line for a two-minute ride. Right? It's the worship, worship of the sensual that's killing our children. and We've almost lost a whole generation to the op- opioid epidemic in Appalachia because people get hooked on drugs and then they lose their self-esteem and they feel like they're not needed that they are unwanted and the enemy successfully destroys their inner sense of self-worth and sense of value to God you see I believe that the church is in the world to fight these things that are destroying people's images of themselves. I believe we are here to help them understand that God created them for a purpose and that their lives with Jesus added in can make all the difference in the world. And I believe Christians, instead of being those who put people down, need to be people who lift people up. Why? Why in the church of Jesus Christ sometimes do we think the worst about ourselves and about others instead of the best? We need to follow the example of Jesus and how he treated people. As Christians, we can counter the forces by showing people that they are loved by God and that they have infinite value. Scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Why? Because we have the greatest weapon of all. And you know what that weapon is? It's love. We need to let the marjories of this world know that they are loved and that we love them and that we will treat them the way that Jesus treated others. Our scripture passage today describes Jesus' encounter with Nathanael. The first thing I want us to look at in this passage is that Nathanael's reaction to Jesus, which typifies the way we human beings treat one another. Look at verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You see Nathanael's reaction when he's told about Jesus and told that Jesus comes from Nazareth. That's all that needed to be said about Jesus. Now, let's see if I can explain this. Cana and Nazareth were rival cities. The people in each city did not like each other. Jesus came from Nazareth. Nathanael came from Cana. Therefore, Jesus can't be any good because he came from Nazareth. It'd be like saying, can any good thing come out of Gainesville, Florida? Can any good thing come out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama? I mean, come on, Saturday's the real test, isn't it, coming up? I mean, there's a natural prejudice to it when we hear something and reduce somebody to one trait or one label. We devalue people. When we do that, we automatically do not let them impress upon us who they are. We prejudge them simply because of where they come from Or maybe even the color of their skin. You see, when I was growing up, all you had to do is say someone was black. And that's all you needed to say about them. See what Nathaniel did? He reduced Jesus to just one term. Nazareth. I want you to see how Jesus responds. Look at verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Do you see what Jesus did? He compliments Nathaniel. Now I know that Jesus probably knew or even heard or understood that Nathaniel had said something not so nice about him, but Jesus, instead of confronting that, completely disarms Nathaniel by complimenting him by telling him, "Here's a person who's straightforward. Here's someone who and there's no deceit, this is a straight talker. And what does Nathaniel do when he reacts? He says, "Oh my goodness, how do you know me?" I don't know about you but when I know that somebody has said something bad about me and I go see that person it's a little hard for me to compliment them I mean it's really hard so how does Jesus do that how can we do that how can we be positive in the midst of a negative world and I'll mention three things very quickly number one Jesus saw the best in Nathanael. He called him an Israelite who is completely honest. He found something in Nathanael to lift up rather than something to condemn. You see, we must not see people as they are, but we must see their potential and who they can be with the love of Jesus Christ applied to their lives. You see, that's what Jesus always did. When he saw Peter, he didn't see this rough, rugged fisherman that would deny him three times. He saw the leader of the early church who would preach one of the greatest revivals at Pentecost. Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. My goodness, he worked for the IRS. He was a betrayer of his country. But that's not what Jesus saw. Jesus saw one who would be a devoted disciple who would write the first gospel in our New Testament. Jesus did this all the time. He did it with the woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. Zacchaeus, the Roman centurion. Not the last of all, a foul-mouthed construction worker who drank too much, yelled too much, and cursed too much, who stands before you today as a minister of the gospel we need to see the potential in people and who they can be with the love of Jesus Christ applied to their lives secondly Jesus didn't just see the best in nathaniel he saw nathaniel at his best look at verse 48 nathaniel said to him how do you know me Jesus answered and said to him before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree I saw you Now you have to know something about that phrase under the fig tree Under the fig tree was a place where a devout Jew went to pray They either went up on the rooftop Or under the fig tree Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus said I saw you praying. Jesus saw him at his best. Jesus caught him doing the right thing and he let him know about it. Anybody read that book called The One Minute Manager by Blanchard years ago? I can sum up that book in one sentence. Catch people doing the right thing and let them know about it. Catch people doing the right thing And let them know about it. You see, we need to focus on the positive rather than the negative. We are not called to condemn, but we are called to show love. A moment like that changed my life. I remember I was in elementary school. I had a teacher, Miss Humphreys was her name. She was in her late 60s, early 70s. She'd had my three older brothers come through her class. And what was amazing, my first day of class, she still welcomed me. It was just incredible. (laughs) And, you know, I just didn't want to be in school. I mean, when I was a kid, I was a lot like Marjorie. I mean, I just wanted to have fun. I wanted to be out playing in the dirt with my trucks. You know, I mean, that's just what I wanted to do. And so we had three reading groups. We had the first reading group. We had a second reading group. We had a third reading group. And then we had me. I mean, I just didn't want to be in school. Every week, we had a spelling bee. Every week. Do you remember those? Spelling bees? you'd stand up by your desk, you know, you'd, a word would come to you. If you spelled it wrong, you would sit down. Well, guess what? Every spelling bee, Walter, spell a word, Walter, sit down. I mean, it was just week after week after week. Well, I remember one week uh, towards getting towards Christmas, toward Christmas break, um, we had a spelling bee, and we all stood up by our desks. And anyway, it came my turn, and Miss Humphreys gave me my word, and the word was handkerchief. The whole class went, ah! <laughs> I mean, it was the longest, biggest word in our speller. They all kind of giggled a little bit. And Miss Humphreys took that moment, and she came right over and stood right in front of me and said, Walter, spell handkerchief. She was really trying to help me. I went H-A-N. She said, yes, yes, yes. Hand, the kerchief. I said, D. She goes, yes. K-K. Uh, K. Yes, yes. And then I went, R. Is it I-R-U-R-E-R? I said, E-R. She goes, yes, yes, yes. Ch-Chief. I said, C-H, yes. Then I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's I before E, E before I. And I said, I-E-F. And she goes, you did it. And she jumped up. That little old lady jumped up off the ground. And the whole class was clapping in that moment. And my life changed. School wasn't ever a hassle again. I started reading. I could actually read. I moved by the end of the school year up to the third, second, and ended in the first reading group and I've done all the school and a person can almost humanly do with a PhD all because that teacher caught me doing the right thing and let me know about it why can't we do that as Christians if we did that in this world we would revolutionize and change this world but I'm afraid it doesn't happen that way because let me just chastise you for just a moment. Do you know what shift most wait staff at restaurants do not want to work? Sunday afternoon. You know why? Because Christians complain more and tip less. You hear that? Complain more and tip less than any other shift they have. Friends, it should be just the opposite. We should tip more and compliment more. We should be praying for our server. We should be treating them like a human being. We don't know what kind of day they had before they got there. We don't know if they were chasing a babysitter around just so they could go to work as a single mom. We have no idea. But I tell you what, If we speak a kind word in the name of Jesus and give them a generous tip, we might change their life. Thirdly, not only did Jesus see the best in Nathanael, not only did he see Nathanael at his best, but Jesus told Nathanael he was going to show him the best. Look at verses 50 and 51. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus accepts you for who you are but loves you enough that he isn't satisfied to leave you that way. At ASP, our founder, has his most famous saying is, is we accept people right where they are and just the way they are. And I love that. That's true. But I want to add a tag. Maybe someday at ASP they'll say, our founder said this, and then this guy Crouch came along and added this. Because I want to add, and we love them enough. To help them become whom they believe God wants them to be. And see, that's what we need to do as well. We don't just accept people and see what they could be and see them at their best. But we also want to show them the best. And the best is Jesus. I mean, the best is Jesus. Anyone's life plus Jesus is a miracle. Jesus didn't tear down people with his words. He built them up. Miracles take place when we come to Jesus as he changes our lives. In John three seventeen, it says that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Far too long the world has heard from the church what they are doing wrong. We are not called to curse the darkness, but instead we are called to show them who we are by showing them the best, showing them the light of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here for. To show the world the best. Anyone plus Jesus is a person of infinite beauty and worth. And a miracle walking on two feet. See the best in people. See people at their best. And show people the best. Marjorie's torment had almost killed her. Her counselor, though, there that day, that Christian counselor, told her not to leave that painful moment, but to stay right there in that fourth grade classroom. He said, Marjorie, look, look, Marjorie, in your mind's eye, look. There's someone in the back of the room coming forward. Look, Marjorie, well, look, like Marjorie, it's Jesus. Jesus. He's coming up to the blackboard, Marjorie. Look what he's doing. He's picking up an eraser, and he's erasing all of those cruel things that people said about you. Look, Marjorie, he's picking up a piece of chalk, and he's writing, Marjorie is beautiful. Marjorie is smart. I love Marjorie. And bit by bit, That counselor led Marjorie to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and changed her life. Marjorie then joined the church where others would love her and accept her the way that she is. Look at the person next to you. Now, do it, it won't hurt. It won't hurt. Look at the person next to you. What do you see? You should see a person of eternal and infinite value. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place and look at every person you see the same way. God bless you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the love that you've given us in your Son, Christ Jesus. And help us Help us to see the best. Help us to be a positive voice in this world that lifts people up. Lord, it's not us up to us to judge them. That's up to you. But it is up to us to love them. Help us, Lord, to be a positive difference in a negative world. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.